welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Hey, Paul. How's it going today? Uh, doing well. Fantastic. Uh, it was a big week this uh, past week. Got my taxes done. Um, got those completed uh, and and filed uh, to the uh, federal government and state government. Now just waiting for, uh, patiently waiting for refunds. Um, I've been claiming, uh, my whole family, we, my wife and I, we've been claiming single zero forever. Um, just so we have something at the end of every year to kind of look forward to. And, uh, and also to avoid the risk of having to pay at the end. So we've always kind of done it that way. Um, and we um, just waiting for the refunds now. But I noticed over the last few years, the, the refunds are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I suspect that trend will continue. <laughs> so. I, I absolutely agree with you. That's going to uh, discontinue. Uh, it's interesting that you're claiming doing it that way, waiting for the money back at the end of the year, almost like a, maybe an additional savings bonus sort of thing where I kind of just keep it at zero this way i don't know and i don't get much back yeah that's how the accountants typically that's kind of what most accountants would tell me i think just given the 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 the, you know the the well for me it's just been about you know i just don't want to risk paying at the end so it's just easier to have them max it out you know max max everything out and then you know i'll get whatever in the end so i don't think there's a, a right or wrong to it i think a lot of people uh, you know, hold to trying to get to zero, right? So they don't owe anything, they don't get anything back, and that's the most, that's the best you could be, right? Um, but for me, um, it's just been easier uh, because uh, you just never know, like, what, how it could be impacted. So I just have them max out every tax. Just take out as much as you can, and then if you owe me money back, I'll take it back. And you're right, it works out to be kind of a, of a savings. We've used the past um savings that comes back for you know contributing to the 529 plan stuff like that so um it comes you know it's i don't think there's a right or wrong but for us we we just claim single zero it's just way easier you know than trying to uh uh get the numbers even for me so everyone's tax situation i think is different yeah of course and different philosophy there but very good very Very cool Yeah, today we're going to talk about, Paul, and we, we talked about this, I think, a couple of episodes ago, reverse mortgages, getting to the bottom of the big question, are reverse mortgages worth it? Uh, but first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. Um, the first news story that we picked, actually, Paul, you picked it. Uh, I put it in the script this week. Um or in the notes, I should say, not really a script, right? Notes. Um, it's from CNBC. Uh, phony money paying for real money. Kramer sells more Bitcoin and pays off his home mortgage. Um, this was a cool story for me. The thing that jumped out at me, and everyone knows my philosophy who's heard me by now, anything to get the job done. I don't care how you get it done, just get it paid, right? So if he wanted to use his Bitcoin investment to go do it, I think that's pretty cool. Um, it does open up the the conversation, and we also talked about this, uh, Paul. That you know, we'll do an episode on on this type of currency, whether it's Ethereum or or Bitcoin or some form of it. We'll we'll talk through that and 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 uh, set up an episode on that because I want to explore that as well. 
Uh, Paul, what was your take on this story? I, I think the, the summation of it was phony money with, to pay off the mortgage with real money. You know, so uh, we totally need to do uh, an episode in that. I, I don't know if we can squeeze it all into one episode. Maybe we'll have to split it out into two. I think there's just a lot going on in the cryptocurrency world, what it is, how it works, what is mining. So it, it's really interesting. I know both my sons are actually dabbling in it a little as well. But it, it, again, it, it was a couple of factors there. One, that Kramer, who I'm sure does fairly decently with his TV shows, bought a lot of Bitcoin quotes. That was a, a quote from the article. And then it went up, uh, I think, 115% since he purchased it and sold some to pay off his mortgage. So using, as he said, fake money to would pay off the mortgage. Just really uh, interesting that people are using it. And I agree, you know, getting it done is nice, um, especially with the fake money part of it, you know. What is Bitcoin? Is it really going to be sustainable and or other cryptocurrencies? And I think we're going to see, I, I think it'll be a great episode uh, to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, get no. too much into it right now. But yeah, I, 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 I mean, I have some stories around it. I have friends that are doing it. I have friends that are mining. Um, I know my son was trying to look at it. And um, I know, in fact, I have a story where, you know, I'll save it for the, I'll save it for the, uh, for the episode, it's a little bit of a teaser, but I got a, a frantic call, phone call on a Saturday morning, so stay tuned. I'll I'll talk more about that when we get to that episode. So, the next news story that we're going to talk about, it kind of talk, you know, it's uh, it ties to today's show. Um, so that's on Kiplinger's uh, reverse mortgages: ten things you must know. Um, I thought it was a good primer overview, and we're going to go into a lot of these details today. Um, you know, it talks about you know repayment. It talks about the non-interest costs of a reverse mortgage, you know, so there's similar fees that um, regular mortgages have, but I don't want to go too deep into it. I do want to jump into the um, the episode and really drill into these details. Uh, but Paul, what was your take on this story? I agree, Paul. It was it was a good primer, but one of the research articles you found or links I thought was was outstanding. Um, believe it or not. It was, it was from the Consumer FTC, so the Federal Trade Commission Gov article. Uh, Kiplinger's good article, good primer, I agree. Um, some of the other research you did and the reading there was great. But I really found the uh, the FTC Gov article probably the best article. And uh, I know that's rare, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Sometimes that they publish things that are a little convoluted. Okay, I think it's good. Let's, let's just jump right into it here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and now you know we'll jump into the weekly topic: reverse mortgages. Getting to the bottom of the big question: Are reverse mortgages worth it? Um, for me, my current situation, um, I'm not near the age to entertain um, reverse mortgages. Will be soon, I believe. Uh, you can't get a reverse mortgage till there's a certain age requirement. I think it's 62 is when Correct. you can start looking at them. I could tell you from personal experience, my grandmother was looking at reverse mortgages and she's asked me about them several times over the years. Um, the one big stopping point for her is she owns a co-op and co-ops are not eligible 
So the conversation was always short. She would always ask me about it, but there's certain, it only applies to single family homes or multifamily homes or to a condominium or a townhouse, but you can't get a reverse mortgage on a co-op, right? So that's something that's just not done. You can actually get a reverse mortgage, I, I believe I read in one of the articles, like on a, on a manufactured home, like a trailer, which I thought was, was interesting. But on a co-op, I guess because of the, the corporate, you know, you're owning shares rather than property, that must be the hang-up with co-ops. But, um, but that's something that she would always ask me about and I never put enough time into. But I think I've seen enough commercials on TV and I've heard enough, and this is just my own opinion, bad press, right? I've just heard bad things about reverse mortgages, um, rather, you know, high level, just reading through web pages or reading through news stories or hearing it on the news. Um, so I wanted to get to the bottom of it, and give it a fair shake, right? And, and kind of jump into it. So I think we'll kind of jump in and kind of start with what is it exactly, right? And I don't know, Paul, do you want to take that one? Or do you want me to kind of jump in on that piece? Yeah, well, why don't you jump in? I mean, my current situation was, uh, I only saw the TV ads for a long time. And what, what I've also noticed recently is some of the TV ads have changed a little. And when I say they've changed, I mean, the celebrity endorsements have changed to people you and I actually might know now who are popular many, many years ago. <laughs> and now they're doing the reverse mortgage. We're getting there. That's what I think it means. So, yeah, yeah. You know, it, 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 I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, I think I saw Tom Selleck doing them recently. I'm like, wait a second. I actually know who that is now versus some of the other people that used to be on uh, on those TV ads. Yeah, Why don't you it, jump in, Paul? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the basic definition, right, reverse mortgage is a type of loan that allows homeowners uh, ages 62 or an older, um, typically who have paid off their mortgage, to borrow part an emphasis on part of their home's equity as a tax-free income. Um, and unlike regular mortgage in which the homeowner makes payments to the lender, with a reverse mortgage, the lender pays the homeowner. Right? So it, it's, it's a strange dynamic. Um, and there's different types of mortgages that I was reading about, which I didn't really realize there were. There's these single-purpose reverse mortgages that are offered by some states and local governments that allow... Surprising, right? That states and governments offer it, but... Yeah, it, it's it's interesting, and it's really used as a mechanism, it seems like to me, their primary purpose from my reading is it's used for home repair or more importantly, taxes, right? So if you have somebody who wants to stay in their home, they can't afford these exorbitant taxes in some of these states, including ours, um, for real estate, they have this opportunity to tap their equity and, 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 and use it for this single purpose. So I thought that was an interesting one, and then there's these... Um, uh, federal insured reverse mortgages, which are a, they're called home equity conversion mortgages. Um, and I think those are, you know, um, you could use them for uh, different things, right? I don't think there's any limit or you know, what you could use the money for. Um, and then there's these um, proprietary reverse mortgages, right? Which is a private loan not backed by the government. And it typically, since it's privately backed, you typically get a little larger loan advance on this type of mortgage, especially if you're in, you know, in a, in a higher valued home. So those are the different types of mortgages. And I read the definition and I'm still kind of bewildered as to why you would kind of dive in. Because when I look at it at the high level, I start seeing, especially when reading through these articles, right, um, 
the way they work. It really does work, I guess, like a mortgage and mo for the most part. You do have to pay this mortgage insurance premiums, right? So there is a percentage that, that taps in for that, and there's these origination fees, and then there's servicing fees, and of course, third-party fees. Just like if you're getting a regular mortgage, you have to get title search and credit check. It's the exact same type of setup, right, in terms of the mechanics of getting a mortgage, uh, apply to a reverse mortgage. I think for me, what comes into the to the cons of it um, is that, you know, you wind up getting into a situation that, for the most part, in the end, you, you can stay in the house in the end, but you got to be careful, right? So there's a lot of gotchas, and that's where I'm, that's where I'm leery. I was trying to gather my thoughts on this, Paul. Um, some of the thoughts that I was reading about were interesting. So if you take a, a, a reverse mortgage out and your wife is not on that reverse mortgage yep, and something happens that, right? to you, yeah. your wife is out, right? Like, I guess yeah. if you don't like your wife, I mean, I guess that could be the final, you know, uh, you know, stab in the back <laughs> if you had a really bad <laughs> marriage. But, but for the most part, like that was interesting, right, Paul? And then... I was reading other things about, you know, um, you know, the scams that are out there, right? So uh, the big thing was contractor loans, right? Some contractors will convince people to to get this type of uh, loan yeah. and it would help them. And then this veterans loan where they take advantage, you know, companies are taking advantage of our veterans um, because th there is no such thing as a veteran loan, right? It's this reverse mortgage disguised as a veteran loan, right? And But they think it's it's from the government. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of research that has to be done going into this thing, number one. And number two, I think that I would want an advisor to help me with this and not a mortgage person. Maybe our maybe our buddy Will Powell. Maybe Will Powell who's done the, the – uh, the, someone I could really trust um, who knows this industry up, you know, backwards and forwards. And you can search in our previous podcast for Will Powell. We plug him all over those uh, podcasts. So you could probably get in touch with him for any of your mortgage needs. Uh, hey, Will. And, um, but anyway, you know, I think I would want an attorney, Paul, and an accountant. I think I would need a team to help me navigate these reverse mortgage waters. So I'll yes. kind of stop for a second. And Paul, what, what's your take when it comes to these reverse mortgages. What would, what did you find in your research? So I, I found a lot of the same things. Uh, one, the rates tend to actually be higher on these loans as yes. well. Mm -hmm. About a point and a quarter, point and a half higher when you're doing a reverse mortgage, which I thought was quite telling. Uh, two, I my understanding, and could be wrong here a little bit, but the federal insurer loans are not for you. It's protecting the lending institution. Uh, two, again, you you can't tap all the equity in your home, only a portion of it. And as you said, your your spouse must be on the loan as well so they don't get kicked out. And I also, I'm trying to find it again at the moment, but if you're going for a reverse mortgage, the government requires that you sort of take a class. You meet with an advisor, and there are advisors throughout the country but uh, and firms that do this that help. So to your point about getting help, what was interesting, I looked up about 10 or so states and New York State, population of approximately 20 million people. I think there are 17 places you can go in all of New York State. California, large state, uh, 20. 
Texas, large state. I believe they're around uh, seven. Connecticut, right? Connecticut's a decent-sized state. There's one. Hmm. One in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So centered if you're on the coast, maybe, but not centered in a state. So if you have to meet with someone to go over this, and they're doing this, which is kind of nice, make sure people understand what they're getting into to take these, you know, understanding class or whatever it is. But there are so few of them. And I, and I think that goes into, you know, what are they and what's going on? Also, Alaska, I think, had one. Arizona had a handful. I, I looked at states where, you know, have large populations or maybe potentially large retirement populations or just a state like Alaska, just because I could look at the website. It was on the federal government website. Oh, I'm really not a fan of this because as you're drawing down the equity on your home, one, the interest rates are generally variable. So if the rates are going up, your your the amount you owe on interest is going up. And two, you know, as you're drawing more, it's just harder and harder to get out of that if you want to get out of that hole and you know, still have any equity. Well, you're always going to have probably some equity left unless the, the market goes down in parallel. But, I, I, Paul, I'm kind of with you. I, I'd i rather do a HELOC or or downsize or, or, or something than go through a reverse mortgage. I'm just not seeing it. I mean, I can understand why. Some people don't want to leave their home. You know, maybe a single purpose one to help pay off the taxes if you have enough income coming in for everything else, especially in the states that are so heavily taxed on property taxes and things like that. I, I could see a lot of people doing it for that reason, but that's kind of where I'm at on it right now. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, when I go and look at it, um, you know, the interesting part is the interest is building just like a regular mortgage and it's and it's front loaded, right? So the, the mortgage interest rate, you know, you people see the way the mortgages work, you know, traditional mortgages where they front load most of your interest, right? You know, you get your mortgage, the first payment you make was, I don't know if it's 90%, it could be higher, is going to your interest rate and, and the rest is going to principal, right? So same thing with a reverse mortgage. So, you know, you're really stacking and packing the interest as you're as the longer you keep that money going um there's different ways to pull the money out um you could pull it out one lump sum you could pull it out in, in payments so there's all kinds of ways that you can take the money out when you need to get the money but it is interesting how the how the interest just continues to build and keeps moving you know just it just keep it just keeps going right so at the end um you know we have to figure out who is this really for right so if you're if you're looking to leave something to your loved ones, um, you're probably leaving them a mess that has to be untangled, right? Um, to a degree, um, if you know you max out the the uh, the portion, right? Because you're not gonna, you know, if you have a house that's worth five hundred thousand, you're you're not gonna get near five hundred thousand out of it, right? Because the lender has to protect themselves, right? So they're not gonna give you a mortgage for five hundred thousand. I I don't know the exact percentages, but I don't think you get anything close to what the property's worth, right? Because they have to protect their side. They have to protect their interests. But Correct. the interest rate is going to keep going, especially if it's variable. Or if you're lucky enough to have fixed, it's still going. Um, it will be higher. Um, so all that's baked in, just like insurance companies have their you know, actuarial tables and stuff like that. That's why all these things are a factor 
when they go into setting up your reverse mortgage. They have to figure out how old you are, how much is the house worth, what's your life expectancy. There's all these things that go in to calculating this because it's such a higher risk for the lender. They have to protect themselves, right? So, and they have to make money, right? Because if they give you all the money, you know, it's what is in it for them, right? So, and I think in the end, what people can find is, you know, they take a loan on a $500,000 house for 200000 and they're lucky enough to live a long time, and that 200000 evaporates, and then the heirs go to, you know, sell the house, and they figure out that, you know, there's more money owed on the house than it's worth, and if they want to keep the house, they could buy it at market value from the lender. I think that's the loophole, right? So let's say the house inflated to 600000 and they tapped 200000 and then 500,000 is what um, they owe on it. Um, they could, or 700,000 they could owe on it. They could choose to go back, buy it back at fair market value, right? So you're going to leave your heirs in this mess, right? So I think it's very messy to me. That's what it feels like, these reverse mortgages. Paul, what's your thought when it comes to to that part of, of right-sizing and who, who would this loan be for? Again, I, there are the three types, as you said before. You know, maybe you need a new roof on your home and you don't have the cash to pay it off so you can take a, a small reverse mortgage out for a roof and then as long as you have the income to help pay it off over time so I, I was trying to think of scenarios Paul about where I would potentially see myself but even that you know so if I have income coming in to pay it off and that's in that scenario well most a lot of these roofing companies or the bigger ones, you can borrow it from them and pay it off as well. So I, I'm just uh, really struggling to find a, a great use case other than, you know, I have this really big house, say, and I want to tap into the equity because I want to do something with it. Maybe I want to take the family on vacations and I want to use the equity in my home to do that. Okay, uh, but to your point, it's got to be paid back either when you're gone or when you sell the house and no longer living there. So that's one way to do it. Those are the only sort of things I was thinking of. But again, if I'm that in a situation that much where I, I can't do some of the things, well, maybe I need to adjust myself and right size you know where i'm living and what i'm doing now it's easier to say in our current age paul you know 30 years from now i don't know what i'm gonna be saying when we're talking about this again but i i just don't see it i i think you know, i personally won't know what i'm saying in 30 years <laughs> won't true, matter true. but no i understand what you're talking about paul like it's it's interesting and it kind of leads to another part of this. I have a, a really good friend of mine. I actually reached out to him last night to see how he was doing. Uh, worked with him for many years, and and um, and he was telling me that he he sold his house. Um, and he's a young guy. He's like our age, right? When I say young, I mean he's relatively young. He sold his house, and he and he lives in an apartment, right? He's a single guy. Uh, kids are out of the house. Um, you know, so he got himself an apartment. Got rid of the. Um, the, the house and, and the shackles of, of, of that by downsizing, right? So I think it's maybe we talk a little bit and drill into the alternatives to a reverse mortgage because, you know, I think for us, um, even after going through this, um, 
I don't see a, a strong use case to use no, it, I and I don't know if I have anything in my head. Like I just can't think of any way I would want to use this, but there has to be. I want to give it a fair shake, right? So the government has these plans. There must be use cases where you know, you would take this type of opportunity, right? And I think it's a family discussion. So if if it's an older person who has the house, to your point, Paul, they don't want to leave, but the family is struggling for home repairs and they're struggling for taxes. Um, just like, you know, hey, are we going to put mom in a, in, a, in a nursing home? Hey, how do we keep mom in the house, right? And it's a family meeting and you get the right people at that table with the right advisory. And is there a case there? Absolutely. I guess there could be, right? As long as it's done with a lot of research and a lot of thought and a lot of planning, I think that there is a use case um, to do this. Um, and, uh, like I said, you know, want to keep grandma in the house or mom in the house and and you could come up with a plan and you have to have a plan and communicate that plan to everybody, right? And the plan has to be with the heirs to say, listen, when this happens, don't have any expectations that in the end you're going to get this house back. It has to go in with the expectation that the house is gone. And everyone's got to realize that. Because if you're trying to save it, it's too late. That should have been 30 years earlier, right? When grandma or mom, you know, should have been planning better for their life, right? Or maybe, in all fairness, something happened to them that, you know, a disease, you know, disease sickness. I don't know. But um, so I won't be too harsh on it. So let's just assume that something happened that was out of their control. And now mom or grandma wants to stay in the house. How do you do it? Maybe this product could work as long as you get the right advisory, you do the right research, and everybody is on the same page with what happens in the end. And and you have to plan for that ultimate downside where, you know, you run out of the money, they get to stay in the house, and, you know, you, you, you don't have to worry about Paul, what's your take when it comes to maybe that use case? Yeah, so... I agree with you, Paul. It's about what is the money going to be used for and meeting with everyone and everyone understands it. You know, as you were talking, one of the um, articles, I don't remember which one it was, did mention that, you know, maybe mom or, or grandma or grandpa, you know, want to pay for someone's college. And, and that's a way to do it. You know, taking out a reverse mortgage so they have it that way. But the money's still, it, it comes down to the same thing. It's still a loan that has to be paid back one way or another. The, the, the institutions are going to get their money, right? This isn't free money. It's you're tapping the equity of your home, okay? It means you're getting money out of it. Someone's loaning you money. It's it's a loan no matter how you, how you want to slice it, dice it, or spin it, or celebrity endorse it. That's all it is. And the reverse part is if you're doing it drawing at will, so you know, drawing meaning taking money when you need it, well, that's the reverse part, right? Because now the equity that you own keeps going less and less and less, which is the reverse of a mortgage where every payment you have more and more and more equity, right? So that's how they get the reverse part in. Again, the college tuition one I thought was an interesting scenario. Again, I just I think yeah, I think there's alternatives to that, right? If you have yeah. to take a reverse mortgage out to send someone to college, you can't afford to send someone to college. I think that's that's only my opinion. Um, yeah. I think there's better alternatives 
you know, the, the kid could go get a loan, right? I, I think there's just other alternatives. So I think, I, I think that most of the reasons people would want to take a reverse mortgage out um, would not be great reasons. I think the reason, the, the only reason that someone would should consider, I'm going to use the word consider, taking a reverse mortgage is if you're in a situation where, you know, these expenses, you're over your head and you want to stay in the house and, and the use case I described before, right, where it's a family decision and, and um, or, you know, if it's on your own, you, you know, you want to make it on your own, you can. It just, you know, if you want to do that, uh, you could. But I think that's really where it comes into. And now I think we definitely want to drill a little deeper into the alternatives, right? Because if you have a loved one that's asking you, hey, I think I'm thinking about a reverse mortgage, right? What should I do? Um, if you're, you're listening to this podcast, right? I think that you have to entertain, you know, three primary uh, other, you know, alternatives, right? One is cutting expenses, just like my friend did who went from a house to an apartment. Um, he was able to pocket that equity, invest it, do whatever he wanted with it. He's taking it earlier in life. Um, so he downsized early, which I think is great. He's going to be able to invest some of that money that he made on the sale of his home and, and, and do what he needs to do with it and hopefully invest it right um, and move forward, right? So I think that downsizing it for me is what I would do personally, I believe. Now, 30 years from now, I don't know. But right now, that's my perspective is I would downsize. That's always been my plan. We've talked about it on other podcasts about retirement. I definitely, I have no sentimentality tied to my home. It's it sticks, it's siding, um, it's paint, it's stuff that needs to be fixed. It, I don't have a connection to the home like others may have. So for me, Downsizing has always been man, a plan. I tell you, what was that? Cold, you're just cold-hearted there, Paul. No, 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 I mean, I think that it's it, in reality. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, home is uh, home is not a house, right? Uh, I think I have seen that in a movie. Someone had said that, right? So home is where the heart is. Home is there's a lot of things to talk about it, but home is where you make it. Whether it's in um, the, a home, a house, a trailer, your car, right? Like, I mean, seriously, it's it's where you make it, right? And that's your home, right? And so for me, it's all about downsizing. That's how I would do it. That's how I would tackle this. The other thing you could do is a traditional refinance, right? So you have, you know, you want to take more money out. You could strip, you know, pull the equity out, have those lower monthly payments, take that equity bang away at the taxes, whatever you need, and and pay it off over time, right? So you could, and you get more money out of it, you get a better interest rate. There's all kinds of things that are so much better if you just take a standard loan, less complexity, less likely to be scammed. There's all kinds of things. And then the last one is really around cutting expenses, right? So looking holistically at what it's costing you to be in that home and where else can you make those cuts, right? And And sometimes... When you do that math, whether it's in a spreadsheet or on a legal pad, and you do the math and you drill into what those expenses look like, you might be surprised and, and find extra money in your budget, or you might come to the realization that keeping the home is completely unsustainable. So the math will tell you either way. Yep. And I think that's going to be key um, to, to this situation. So, Paul, what's your take on the alternatives? And I, did I miss any? Uh, you could do a, a HELOC as well, which is really not that different than a refi. The difference is HELOC is generally variable and a little bit higher rate than a refinance. 
So you refinance, pull money out, and you pay it out. Uh, it's probably one of the uh, simpler ways to go about it. The HELOC is neat because you could just draw as you need versus a lump sum uh, refi. So they each have their advantages there. You know, Paul, again, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, about my situation, where I'm at, you know, my home today. And so I bought the cheapest house pretty much in the best neighborhood I could. But the thing I always zeroed in on, and I think I mentioned it on a number of podcasts already, is, you know, the taxes. So when my parents moved not too long ago, you know, they said, hey, do you want to buy our house? It's in, you know, it's in a good area as well, not too far from where I am. It's a little bit fancier. But the taxes were so much more. And my wife and I, we talked about it a little bit. It was kind of a quick conversation. Like, okay, so we're getting a bigger house. Well, okay, don't really need a bigger house. Kids are already, one's in college, one was about to go to college. So do I need a bigger house? No. But the taxes were so much more. So it's to me, it's this, it's this painfulness of just giving the government money. I mean, it's the same school district. It's the same water supply, a different fire department, but that's fine. It's like I, I just couldn't rationalize just giving thousands and thousands of dollars away to the government. It was like a $7,000 a year difference. It's astronomical. So we stayed where we are. So the reason how I think this ties back is, you know, for those of you buying homes now, and when you're looking at things, look at those taxes. Because when you see that number, remember, that's never going away and it only goes one way. And that is up. It's only going to go up. So when you're doing your financial planning, your retirement planning, you need to factor that in. So you hopefully don't end up in a situation where you need a reverse mortgage. And I also think that's why a lot of people move to other places. I believe Florida, uh, they can't take away your home, even if you haven't paid the taxes, right? They'll get it when you're gone, but they can't seize the home. So that there are advantages to different states and understanding where you're going and you know your retirement path as well plays into that quite significantly. So when you're looking to retire and move or do whatever, right? A couple things in life never change, death and taxes. Yeah, and I think that that's all great call outs, right? And they all tie back. So, you know, we talked about cutting expenses. That and that's assuming that as part of that looking at cutting expenses, you're looking at your holistic budget budget. Right. You need to know your numbers uh, because, you know, and project to your point, Paul, if you're looking and doing the numbers and doing the math and your expenses are X now, what what are they likely to be in five years? What are they likely to be in 10 years? Right. So not only looking at cutting expenses, but looking at your overall budget to make sure that you can. Um, weather that storm if you're going to stay in the house, even if you're going to take a reverse mortgage, right? So, and to your point, downsizing to a smaller home into a different state, there's all kinds of advantages to doing that, but you have to be willing to do that. Um, the other thing, Paul, I was going to mention on the HELOC, I didn't specifically mention the HELOC. My, my only thing with the HELOC is, and I think it happened to me, um, the HELOCs are more likely where the bank will call the loan. 
they'll call the HELOC back, especially if you don't have any equity on it. So that's, they called mine back. I know like in the 2007, Mm. 2008, I had uh, our buddy who used to do our mortgages for us. um, You know, he would always slap a HELOC on just for fun, right? And, no, he didn't slap it on for fun. He slapped it on because he was making more profit. Yeah, way. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that too. But it was there, and I never really paid attention to it. Um, it was just kind of open. And then at one point, I got a, I got a note and said, oh, we're taking it back. So they'll close it on you, right? And so um, that's why I think if you're going to go the route of an alternative to a reverse mortgage, I would do more of a 15- or 30-year mortgage. I would... I would stick with something that's a traditional product with a fixed interest rate where you know what the math is going to look like, whether it's now or 30 years from now. And I think that's got, that's, that's pretty key. And that's why I wanted to just call that out. Um, you know, one of the other things I think we want to kind of dive into uh, as kind of a, a last topic is the scams, right? And beware, buyer beware, right? So I think that there's this notion or this, uh, what's the words I'm looking for? There's this... Um, on this reverse mortgage industry, there's this shroud of 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 um, that there could be a lot of scams, right? That that it's filled with this, right? Now, it's probably not necessarily true. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right? There's probably really reputable reverse mortgage offerings out there, and there's probably some really bad, bad, bad reverse mortgaging mortgage offers out there, right? And so that's where I think. You, buyers of these products really have to be aware of. And that's what it goes back to doing the research, uh, focus on getting advisors, whether it's your accountant, getting your attorney to help you through that process and really understand what you're getting into and understand the fine, you know, the fine print, so to speak. Um, I think you really have to do that more when it comes to these reverse mortgages. I see a lot of these late night TV shows, like you said, Paul, with Tom Selleck, and uh, there's a few others that are doing it. Are they really great products? You know, are they really, you know, make, you know, I don't know. I don't know. If they're selling a tea on late night TV and the next commercial is for uh, Ginsu Knives, right, or or the Foreman Grill, I don't know. Like, I think I want to get my reverse mortgage done by, by someone or a big bank or somebody I know. But then I look and I don't think a lot of big banks and names you know do these reverse mortgages, right? So it's a very interesting industry where... There's a lot of these unknown banking institutions that are doing these. Now, people feel free to correct me if I'm wrong and send us email, but from my cursory search on it, I didn't see, you know, how you could get these these loans and they're not popularized by the big banks, right? So, Paul, what's your take when it comes to scams and buyer beware? Uh, Paul, honestly, I couldn't have said it better, right? You know, having your attorney, your accountant go over it with you and sort of a little recap, right? Making sure the whole family knows what's going on. Everyone's around the table, family meeting, mandatory. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're looking at or here's what we're going to do wherever you are in that, in that cycle. But again, it, it, you know, we, we sort of say this over and over again, Paul, you know, doing the math, using the calculators that are out there, understanding the fine print. It, it, it's I, I just think this one's scary because they seem to prey. I don't say prey; that's probably the right, the right or fair term, but target the the elderly that may not be as financially astute on some of these things. But there's also the government requirement that they have to be 62 and older to get one of these reverse mortgages. 
So uh, I think you and I can uh, can agree on a lot on this one here. Very cool, very cool. And and I think that after it's all said and done, uh, me personally, um, I'm not convinced. I believe I would prefer to sell the property and downsize. And, and a mortgage is a mortgage, and, and this mortgage actually a reverse mortgage might be uh, a little more dangerous. I'm going to use that word. Yeah, I'll go on a limb and say that. I think it could be a little bit more of a dangerous product than a traditional mortgage, right? So um, I think with that, uh, we'll close this out. And Paul, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, Managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.